All right, folks, I'm back with episode three of the Go Be Great podcast with your host, Michael Contento. Folks, it is Monday, March 14th now, as it is the early, early parts of the morning here. Uh, I've been up doing my bracket and trying to come up with some entertaining and some interesting slants on these games for you guys. I, you know, I don't think you guys want to hear me talk about X's and O's too much on the college basketball tournament, but you know, I just tried to look at all these games in different ways. Some of them, uh, in terms of you know, you want to pick some good upsets, but you also don't want to, you know, go upset crazy with your bracket. Uh, so I'm here to try to navigate you guys through it. Maybe you hear something I say that you don't agree with and it works out for you. Maybe. You follow what I'm saying and it works out for you. We're, we're all in it together. We're all, you know, it's blind leading the blind at the end of the day. We don't really know exactly what's going to happen, but you take a good educated guess and you sit back and enjoy the show because that's what March gives to you people. Uh, you know, you tune into college basketball and it's a place where the extraordinary becomes the ordinary because upsets and you know buzzer beaters and teams that you'd never expect to to win in march or to win at the end of february even and all of a sudden you know you have some teams such as uh texas a&m who make a big run you know at their sec tournament and they get to the finals yesterday on sunday they played uh tennessee and they lose and they're left out um, you know, a team that it worked out for in the same exact way was Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech, I was lucky enough to see them Thursday at the uh, Barclays Center for the ACC quarterfinals where they beat Notre Dame. And uh, Virginia Tech has won 13 of their last 15 games to make, you know, to make the uh, make the field. And you know, on the flip side of that, you have a team like Michigan, where Michigan has been a roller coaster all year, 17 and 14. And, um, you know, they're finding themselves dancing. So you can make yourself in March, you can break yourself in March. But one thing's for sure, it's going to be entertaining. We're going to have fun doing it. Um, I'm going to get into the picks very uh in a in a second but i do want to just mention that tom brady has unretired from football uh you know i think the most surprising part about it is that it was you know for me at least i felt like it was out of nowhere that he was considering retirement and then so many things have been going on in the world and in the sports world as well and i haven't really thought much about it but you know, you don't really miss someone until they're actually gone. You know, I think it would have been weird for Brady to be not out there week one, especially given the season that he just had. He threw for 5,000 yards. Uh, should have been, you know, I believe he should have been the MVP over Aaron Rodgers. And that's, you know, I don't think that has anything to do with politics. I think if you look at what happened on the field, Tom Brady had a better season. Um also earlier in the week, just, you know, on some real quick NFL news, Russell Wilson gets traded to the Broncos for an absolute bag, uh, including 
two first-round picks and two second-round picks. Um, and the unthinkable happened. Major League Baseball has agreed to a deal. Uh, 162 games will be played starting April 7th. They're going to reinstate nine-inning doubleheaders, which is really awesome. Uh, they're getting rid of the California rule, which is in extra innings, man starts on second base. I hated that rule. Uh, you know, a little league ending, if you will. Uh, I also like Michael Kay's description of it as a carnival baseball ending. I think that's pretty funny. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll have another episode. I'm not exactly sure in terms of the schedule. I, you know, I think it would be stupid of me to drop something on the NFL or the MLB before round one starts on Thursday. Kind of let this one sit for a while because obviously it will be of use to you guys for, for the next few days. I hope to have it out by about noontime on Monday, which should be pretty easy. I mean, uh, if you have listened to the first two episodes, you would know I'm kind of a rookie at this stuff, but it's been pretty easy to, you know, get my get my files downloaded and onto my RSS feed and then out to Spotify. It's been pretty easy. So I think 12 o'clock noon on Monday, the 14th, you guys will be hearing my picks. So first thing before I get into the actual picks is did the committee get it right? And I mentioned, you know, most of these teams already. Uh, my only gripe is that AM didn't make it in. Notre Dame lost in the quarterfinals to Virginia Tech. I was there, and Notre Dame didn't look bad. Virginia Tech really just looked really good. Um, and if you look at just the two teams, Notre Dame, 21 and 10, uh, 4 and 9 in quad one for AM, 2 and 8 in quad one for Notre Dame. AM was 22 and 13, I believe, overall. I want to say maybe 20 and 13. I'm not exactly sure on their record. It didn't didn't copy the correct way into my notes there. AM is 42 in net. Notre Dame is 53. And AM makes the SEC tournament final and loses ultimately to Tennessee. Meanwhile, Notre Dame, like I've mentioned twice already, Virginia Tech, they lose in the quarterfinals at the ACC. So also, an interesting tidbit. I know, you know, November 24th, 2021 feels like a long time ago, but Texas A&M beat Notre Dame on that day by a six-point in a six-point game, 73-67. So not sure how you justify to the, uh, to the Aggies how they didn't make it in. Also, another interesting one I thought, Indiana makes it uh, – to the quarter or to the semifinal, excuse me, of the Big Ten um, with a 20 and 13 record. And they're in the play in game against Wyoming on Tuesday night. And Michigan is an 11. And I, they, you know, I think they got a pretty good draw, honestly, at 17 and 14. So um, another one that I think I'm going to get into when I talk about the matchups is San Fran gets a 10 seed and they play another awesome mid-major this year, Murray State, who won the uh, 
the Ohio Valley Conference. And they're a seven seed at like 31 and two. So I think you have a gripe there. If you're those two teams, like you'd rather get go up against one of these uh, power five or power six in college basketball programs and, you know, get a little bit more exposure on, on the game. You win one of those. That's really awesome for your program going forward. Not saying a win in the tournament against, you know, whether San Fran or uh, Murray State pulls that one out, but would have been awesome to see those two teams play against uh, some some major teams. And then, you know, who knows, maybe they both could have ended up into the next round. Um, so without further ado, let's get into what you guys came here for and what I came to give you guys today. And that's my 32 picks on the first round. Uh, I'm not going to try to, you know, go too long on every game. I think you guys would turn me off by the time I even get through the uh, first side, which is the West, which is Gonzaga's number one overall seed. I tried to look at it, you know, some of them in an entertaining way. A few of them, I think the line that Vegas is giving is kind of telling you something. And a couple of them, I think, are just such a toss up that they really do deserve a little bit of a deep dive into. So I'm going to start off exactly the, you know, I'm going right down the list the way that ESPN has their bracket, which is the West. Then I'm going to do the East, which is Baylor's side of the bracket. Then I'm going to go back up to the top right for the South and Arizona. And then I'm going to do the Midwest, which is Kansas. So after I'm done with all four, then I'll give you guys my final four picks and my champion pick. Um, and then I think for episode four, I mean, it's going to take a, a while or it's going to take a, a great effort from me, but I think I'll be able to do it. I'll try to do picks of round two with the new, um, with the new matchups and maybe, you know, just, I'll just mention my own record, I guess, when I'm picking the games, uh, especially for the people who are looking for, you know, actual picks, not in, not in regard to the bracket. Um, I think that would be good. And I think, you know, like I mentioned in episodes one and two, the more consistent that I put this podcast out, the more fans we get, uh, you know, the more exposure I get the better chance that my career takes off in sports media. So I'm just going to try to keep, keep chugging with it. Keep pushing out podcasts. Uh, I was looking at my RSS feed the other day and I noticed a couple of new international followers, which I thought was pretty awesome. I'm definitely going to mess up the names. Uh, one in Morocco and one in uh, the Netherlands. So if you're one of those two, two people out there, I had the, uh, I believe it was Haren Netherlands, and I don't want to mess up the Moroccan city. I'm not even going to try it. But uh, yeah, so let's get right into the games. I'm starting out with Gonzaga versus Georgia State. This game is at 4.15 on Thursday. 
in Portland at the Portland Trailblazers home arena, the Moda Center. Uh, Gonzaga kind of cruised to the West Coast Conference Championship, I think, outside of like maybe five to ten minutes of their semifinal game with San Francisco. They were just routing the teams that they were playing. Um, Georgia State, they won the Sun Belt as a three seed. Um, obviously, this one's a no-brainer here, folks. Gonzaga is the number one seed. Georgia State is the last seed of the bracket. Um, I think the, that the Zags are built for a deep run. I know that they haven't had great success in the tournament in terms of going deep. I mean, you know, last year was kind of an outlier for them. They have went to two national championship games in the last four years. So, you know, maybe their tides are changing. Um, you know, you'll see if I pick them or not at the end of the episode for my final four team, but they're number one in offensive efficiency. They're number seven in defensive efficiency. Uh, their tempo is fourth. So, you know, if they're playing well, they're going to be as tough as any team to beat. I think they have one team on their side of the bracket that matches up really poor. Like for them, it's a really poor matchup for them and a really great matchup for the other team. They are very uh, similar to St. Mary's and St. Mary's, although they did lose in the championship game to the Zags, they were able to pull out a victory against them when Saint, uh, when Gonzaga went to St. Mary's a couple week a couple of weeks ago. Excuse me. So let's get into the next game. That's Boise State and the Memphis Tigers. This one is also at the Moda Center in Portland, 145 on Thursday. And uh, this one's an interesting one to me. You have Boise State, a member of the Mountain West. Um, you know, the Mountain West gets four teams in this year, which pretty awesome for a mid-major conference. Boise State won the tournament, and uh, they beat San Diego State, who had the number two defense in the country, which anytime that you're able to win a game like that, you got to really tip your hats off to that team. I believe that was a 53-52 final. Um, this one's tough for me. So Memphis has Amani Bates out with injury. I would take, you know, I, I think factoring factoring everything into my pick, I'm going to say he's not going to play in this one. Uh, he hasn't played in six weeks. Um, another interesting point about Imani Bates, he turned 18 in the middle of the season. So he can't even declare for the uh, NBA draft. So it's interesting, you know, I, I don't believe that he's faking injury or anything like that, but there's definitely a possibility he could transfer. You know, Memphis has been so up and down where like a couple of weeks ago, the end of the regular season, 
they play Houston and they blitz them. They press the hell out of them. Um, you know, they really made Houston look like a novice team. And according to all the metrics, Houston's a top five team in the country right now. I know that they got a five seed in the bracket, and I'll kind of talk about that when I get to their to their game. Um, this one's a toss-up. I believe they have the spread as Boise State minus one. I actually have it written down right here. Um, let's see. They're offering Memphis. Oh, so Memphis is a one-point favorite, and I think that they're doing this because they don't want – they would rather you have the team that is better, which they believe is Memphis in terms of talent, at even odds, minus 110, rather than getting you get you getting them at plus money. So I think based on that, I'm going to go with Memphis. Um, you know, they didn't look good in the AAC championship against Houston, but – Houston definitely was playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after taking that 20-point loss in Memphis. Um, yeah, I think either way, Memphis or Boise State isn't going to have much of a chance against the Zags. So this is one where, you know, if you do get it wrong, you're not really uh, – there's not really much of a chance for your bracket to blow up in your face. You know, I could be wrong about the Zags. In the round of 32, but I think in terms of Boise State being a slow team with good defense and the Zags having, you know, the number one offense, I think that's a tough matchup for them. Memphis has the talent to play with anyone, but you don't know what team you're going to get out of them. Um, so I'm going to go I'm going to go with Memphis. But like I said, I don't think either team has what it takes to beat the Zags. Uh, the five twelve matchup in the Western is UConn and New Mexico State. This game is being played at the Key Bank Center in Buffalo, which is the home of the Buffalo Sabers in the National Hockey League. It's uh, Thursday at six fifty p.m. So New Mexico State wins the Western Athletic Conference. They took down Abilene Christian. Uh. To last year's champ, by the way, was Abilene Christian in the Western Athletic, and they returned a lot of players. So that's a good sign for New Mexico State. Uh, UConn lost in the semi to Villanova at the Garden. Um, I feel like in terms of the Big East chances for a team to end up going deep, their two chances are Villanova and UConn. Um, and I think UConn probably has some unfinished business and a little bit of a chip on their shoulder as well. Uh, you know, they were right in that game with Villanova right till the end, a tough loss. And then Villanova goes on to beat Creighton and hoist a trophy at the Garden the next night. Um, you know, I saw UConn play a month ago at, at Gamble. They played Seton Hall. And... Now, they were pretty impressive. I think Sonogo is a really tough matchup for any big in college. Like, he's tough on defense. He'll grab boards. And when the ball's in his hand, he can really score it. I mean, he can't really do much besides back to the basket. But 7'1", 260 pounds, 
just kind of backing you down. It's, it's a tough matchup. Uh, and I don't think New Mexico State is seeing any of that in the Western Athletic. Plus, you have R.J. Cole, um, a really great guard from New Jersey, a lefty, good at going to the basket. So I think, you know, this will be a close one for a bit. But I think UConn has what it takes to pull away from a good mid-major school in New Mexico State. I believe they finished 26 and 6 this year. And I believe that they will uh, pull away and with that one late and they'll move on to the second round. Uh, later on that night, the 4 versus 13 matchup will be taking place in Buffalo as well. And that is Arkansas and Vermont. Now, I kind of think based on Vermont's run in the America East, which included three 30-plus point victories, that this might be a popular 14, uh, three to four, excuse me, 13 to four upset. Uh, they have great three-point shooting stats, but they do shoot a lot of them. 43% of their uh jump shots taken are from behind the arc. So the thing about this matchup specifically is that the tempo difference is large. Arkansas plays at a tempo that is ranked 24th in the country and Vermont plays at 288. Also in their three games where they won by 30, they're one of the few conferences that still plays all of the conference tournament games that at the home arena, which Vermont hosted all three. So it does look great that they shot like that, but you know, that's a way different atmosphere. That's inside of a gym that they practice at every day. There's a wall behind the basket, which is a lot easier to shoot at than if you're in the middle of an arena, especially one that's made for hockey. Uh, I literally was at the garden Saturday night for Creighton Villanova, where both teams our, neither team is bad. Uh, Creighton shot 50% from the field the night before against Providence. Uh, Villanova had a great game against UConn. You know, even though they play at a slow tempo as well, they're a top 10 offense in terms of efficiency. They have a couple of sh good shooters, a couple of guys that can go to the basket, like Jermaine Samuels. Uh, they were having a tough time. Like, they were, you know, they were – it's not like they were airballing or slamming it off the backboard and any, anything like that, but they were clinking the ball off the rim. And you know, I don't know if Vermont has what it's in them. If, if Arkansas is going to successfully push the pace as they, as they will. Um, I think Vermont's going to be too, they're going to have to be catching up. They're going to have to have like a 50% shooting night from behind the arc. Uh, and I just don't think they're going to have it in them. Now, a bad staff for Arkansas going forward, you know, if you're looking ahead to, you know, make your bracket, I don't want to go through every game, especially because, you know, just say in this matchup, if I get Arkansas wrong, then you wouldn't really want to listen to me picking Arkansas versus UConn because that wouldn't matter anymore. So, uh, but I do want to put this stat out there. So the last, I think I mentioned on the last episode, the final January AP poll usually tells you a lot of uh, secrets about the teams. Um, 
one scenario that usually does not end up well is that if you are in the ranking, in the last ranking of the uh, AP poll in January, and then you go unranked at the end of the year and you end up with a four line or better. So this is Arkansas. The last 11 teams have lost in the first round four times, in the third round, second time, uh, in the second round, three times, and the Sweet 16, the other uh, three more times. So that leaves one outlier, of course. Who was it? The Razorbacks themselves last year, who made an Elite Eight exit. Uh, they beat Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. And then believe they were on the Houston side. I don't have the bracket in front of me, but just an interesting stat to, to keep in the back of your mind while making your bracket that, you know, you might want to, if you believe UConn's going to pull that game out like I do, you might want to have UConn over Arkansas. Um, we'll go down to the 6-11 uh, game right now. Uh, it's Alabama in the 6 and then the play-in game, which will be taking place on Wednesday from Dayton, Rutgers and Notre Dame. So I think Notre Dame's going to win in Dayton on Wednesday. Uh, I think, you know, both of these teams, you could really make the argument that they didn't belong in the field. And I guess that's a perfect place, you know, to put them in the, in the first four, uh, just based on location, and also alumni base, you have to figure that Notre Dame is going to have a decent amount of fans in Dayton. Um, and just, you know, I saw Notre Dame on Thursday. Virginia Tech has won 13 of 15, so you can't say, like, oh, the better team, you know, didn't play as well, because that's not true. They they did. And Notre Dame was with them for, for a long time in that game. They just... Real, realistically, Virginia Tech had a couple threes in the beginning of the game, and they kind of rode that out. Uh, Notre Dame was feeding into the crowd a little bit at the end, and you know they were mounting a comeback, but it was just too – they didn't do enough during the game to get that deficit down. They were always down 10 pretty much the whole way. They, it was close for you know a couple minutes there at the end, but uh, I just think – in terms of the two teams at play between Rutgers and Notre Dame, you know, Rutgers, first of all, outside of their home gym, have not had a great season. It's really tough to go play at Jersey Mike's Arena slash the Rutgers Athletic Center, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think Notre Dame, although I don't think they're the best team, they're just more rounded than, more rounded than Rutgers. Uh, I think if you're Notre Dame, you got to set your focus on not letting Ron Harper beat you. Um, I think either way, whoever wins in Dayton on Wednesday is going to have a tough time with Alabama on Friday. First of all, you have to travel from Dayton after your game, which is, uh, I believe they're at the primetime game, nine o'clock. I think the way that the the scheduling is, is that they have the 16 seeds first at about 630 and then at nine o'clock 
Uh, it's going to be Notre Dame and Rutgers on Wednesday. And on Tuesday night, it's Wyoming and Indiana. Um, then you have to make it all the way over to the West Coast. So you're going to, you're going from East Coast time to West Coast time. By the time you get on the plane, it's probably midnight on Wednesday going into Thursday. And you get Alabama Friday at 4.15 Eastern, so 1 o'clock Pacific. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot, I think, for either one of those teams to get through all of that travel, you know, play a tough game. I don't think either way that either of these teams can blow the other out. Um, I think they're going to have a tough time with Alabama. Uh, Alabama, the only thing you got to worry about them is that they really have played down to a few opponents, especially in the recent stretch of the season. Um, they are on a three-game losing streak, also a little bit concerning. But if you look at the talent on the roster with Shackelford and Quinterly, especially uh, J.D. Davison also emerging as a great young star, freshman guard at Alabama. Um, not only do they have the talent to just, you know, wipe the floor with Rutgers or Notre Dame, like, they have the talent to make a run. Uh, they were a two seed last year with, you know, virtually the same team. Um, yeah, I just think that they're a great team. They also did have a top five strength of schedule. Uh, let me check because I have written down one, but I don't believe that is correct. Oh, yes. Number one strength of schedule is Alabama. So, you know, it's understandable that they haven't played up for every game because they've had they've been through the toughest stretch of any team this year so you know they had a couple of crazy crazy wins for them early on in the year where they beat Gonzaga and you know they beat Duke and then you know they would drop a game to Iona and it was it, it was a crazy back and forth season for Alabama um, but I think at least against Rutgers and Notre Dame it should be all right for one victory. Um, so before that game starts at uh, 4.15 from San Diego, 1.45 on Friday from San Diego is three-seeded Texas Tech against Montana State, the 14 seed. Um, Texas Tech is having another tremendous year. Uh, 2019. They go to the championship game with Chris Beard as the coach. Uh, great game. Last year, also, they make it to the Elite Eight. Great team. Um, and they're back again. They have the number one defense, number one rated defense in the country by Ken Palm. Um, they did lose the Big Ten championship to Kansas, but... I mean, that's, that's a tough game for any team, especially the Big 12 tournament was in Kansas. So, you know, not the easiest one. It's a big Kansas crowd, and, you know, they're a really good team this year, and you've already played them twice, so they, they kind of know – each team knows what the other is going to do. There's no surprises. Um, so Texas Tech – just has to do what they do, play some good defense, 
Uh, there's one guy on Montana State who I think they should definitely be focused on. I, the way that it looks is he's he started every game. Tyler Patterson is his name. He has started every game for Montana State, the Bobcats representing the Big Sky, who also won their regular season championship, which that's awesome. They did the regular season and the postseason championship. Um, he's hit 63 three-pointers in 22 minutes per game. Um, and that's good enough for 35% uh, uh, with his 63 threes. Um, this kid has hit – he's hit four or more threes in eight games. So half of his threes have come in eight games. Uh, so if he hits the first one, they're going to keep him out there. They're going to keep letting him shoot. But if he goes over two, uh, they have shown that they'll just straight up pull him out of the game. And, I mean, as a starter, only 22 minutes per game in college is, is a little low. Uh, I know he's a freshman, but I think if you set your – Set your uh, focus to him. Ensure that he's not going to beat you. The game should go fine for Texas Tech. I think they'll they'll be moving on to the next game uh, on on Sunday. Uh, the seven ten on this side of the bracket is uh, nine forty on Friday from Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, very even matchup. Michigan State is the seven seed. Davidson got an at-large bid after losing to Richmond in the A-10 championship yesterday. Um, this matchup is 40 to 41 in the Ken Palm rankings. Um, but one thing that I think is kind of glaring to me is that Davidson is very middle of the pack, if not below average on defense. Uh, ranked 152nd, and the strength of schedule for Michigan State was 11 compared to Davidson's 121st. Um, so, yeah, Michigan State has has had a tough stretch of the season where they went 6 of 9 to end the regular season, but then they get to the Big East tournament. I uh, Big East. They get to the Big Ten tournament. They make it to the semifinal. Um, you know, they played well against Purdue. I got to watch that game while we were hanging out, waiting to head over to the garden on Saturday. Um, you know, I think that this is a good Michigan State team that they took a couple bad losses, you know, especially if you look at Northwestern and Penn State, they definitely shouldn't have lost to those teams. Um, the Big Ten was tough this year, but uh, anytime that it's a close matchup like this, I want to look at what unit is the worst unit on the floor it is davidson's defense the strength of schedule is a big gap and i got one of the best coaches in college basketball in a 7-10 matchup i believe the spread in this game if you're going into you know trying to get some some betting done on friday night i believe this one's a one-point spread uh big 10 versus Atlantic 10, Michigan State versus Davidson. Tom Mizzo, got to ride with him every time. I have heard uh, that
that this could be Tom Izzo's last dance. It could be his final season. Um, and I think that those guys definitely want to at least try to send him out with one. And I think, you know, he's not the type, clearly, if this is his last year, to do any retirement tour or anything like that. He probably wants to go out as a winner. He probably wants to win the whole thing this year, regardless of what, you know, other people think of his team. I think he definitely thinks highly of his team. Uh, I think you have to think highly of your team as a coach, you know, either way, because if you're not coaching with 100% belief that your team can win at any any day, any time versus any opponent, then you might not be in the right job. Uh, only thing that I think goes in Davidson's favor is they're only like a two-hour drive. Their campus is north of uh, Raleigh, uh, excuse me, Raleigh, I believe. And Greenville, South Carolina is in like the northwest corner of South Carolina. It's like a two-hour drive. I think they might get a decent crowd over there, especially, you know, they haven't maybe been in a few years. I'm not really sure who represented the A-10 last year off the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, they lost their game and they were lucky enough to get an at-large bid. So the game before them in Greenville at 7 o'clock, on Friday night is Duke and Cal State Fullerton. Uh, Got to give a shout out to my boy, EJ Anasicki. Uh, we went to uh, opposing high schools or rival high schools uh, over in New Jersey. He went to Paramus Catholic. I went to Bergen Catholic. And Paramus Catholic, before he was there, was really not good at basketball at all. And uh, he was like, he turned them around. He, he was a a really bright spot of their, of their uh, school really. Cause he was just a nice kid. All he really did was go to school, do, do good work. And uh, you know, he just played basketball, you know, wasn't a big showboat or anything like that. He just wanted to get in his work. He worked so hard that he ended up going to Sacred Heart, which is where I, I go to college. And I was lucky enough uh, to see him play here for three seasons he uh, started two of them and he came off the bench his freshman year which is pretty awesome and uh after covid he went over to tennessee and then after tennessee he ends up at cal state fullerton where uh saturday night they play long beach state and ej has 20 rebounds a career high and I believe he had upwards of 20 points as well so uh, shout out EJ. Awesome that he gets to finish his college career on the grand stage. Um, you know, tough pull with Duke, especially they're coming off of a loss um, in the ACC championship against Virginia Tech, where they kind of got embarrassed there at the end. You know, 15-point loss, not a good look for a team that was being discussed as a one seed before, I think, the North Carolina game. Um, Duke hasn't looked good, and I'm not going to pick Cal State Fullerton to win this game. But I'll tell you right now, if Cal State Fullerton, and I think EJ is a big culture guy because, you know, even at SHU, kind of saw the same, same way he was playing, you know, tough, hard-nosed basketball, 
going up for every re- – I mean, he is a forward, so it's a little bit different. You know, if he was a guard going up for every, every rebound, I guess you could say this is like a character trait. But I just don't think EJ is afraid of anybody. And if Cal State Fullerton has the same exact uh, mindset as him, I bet you this game will be close. Um, part of the problem for Duke, I think, first of all, the whole starting five – is in the mock like if you look at mock drafts right now four out of five of them are going in the first round and then uh roach is going early second so i just think between that you know they have a lot to look forward to in their careers obviously they're all pretty good players aj griffin from archbishop stepanak which is close by and in new york and on the podcast i was on previously what a hard we actually interviewed his high school coach, Coach Pat Mazzaroni, uh, who also had R.J. Davis, the North Carolina guard at the time as well. Um, you know, A.J. Griffin shoots the ball 46% from behind the arc. They also have Wendell Moore shooting 40%. So, uh, you know, from Cal State Fullerton, I'm probably trying to find a way that I can – to force a few misses on those guys for whatever reason, AJ Griffin is shooting better away from Cameron indoor and on neutral courts than anywhere else. And he, I mean, having a fantastic season. Um, so in terms of Duke, I think maybe they're looking ahead to the next game and it, it's close. I don't think that Cal state Fullerton is going to have enough firepower to take them down. But I think in terms of Duke, like, I don't know. I don't know how far they get, but I feel like there's been a lot of pressure put on these kids to, you know, send Coach K off the right way. And it's just too too big of an expectation. Like, you know, at the end of the day, he's been there 42 years. They've won the championship five times. Uh, you know, just doing basic math, that's less than 18%. So, like, if you're expecting the kids to go out there and go get a championship, like he didn't get a championship with the number one and three picks on his team a couple of years ago when it was Zion and RJ and Cam Reddish went in the top 10 too. Um, and I just think for these kids, you know, they're all freshmen. I think the, the one kid Wendell Moore is a junior, but they're all freshmen and sophomores and, you know, even less experience and maturity with, you know, I'm sure COVID either canceled a season or, you know, even just sending them home for a bit, you know, it's a little bit different right now in college basketball, I think. So I think it was unfair to the Duke kids that this is the way things went. And, you know, now there's so much pressure on them to go get it done. And if they don't, it looks bad. And, you know, it was, is Coach K going to come back to make a, you know, a better ending season or what else, what else uh, you could come up with, you know, for excuses, but they've had a tough, t- I think they've had a tough burden put on them and we'll see if it affects them in, in the, the big dance. Um, also, it'll be a big do crowd there. Uh, not too far from Greenville, South Carolina is the campus of Duke. So uh, let's get into the 
east side of the bracket now, which is the Baylor number one seed. They've taken on Norfolk State, who won the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Uh, meanwhile, Baylor lost their quarterfinal of the Big 12 to Oklahoma. They're dealing with injuries to two of their best players, LJ Cryer and their center, uh, Jonathan. I'm going to try to mess, not mess up his last name. Chamwa Chachoa. I hope I got that right. Um, he had a knee injury to end the season in mid-February. I forgot the opponent. Um, and it looks like the other guy, LJ Cryer, who's their number one guard, uh, he looks unlikely to come back as well. I would never pick a 16 to beat a one, and I don't think it'll happen. I think Baylor will be fine in this one. But if you wanted to take a flyer on it, this would be the game to do it. Uh, Baylor hasn't looked good. Tough to overcome missing two of your three best players. Um, you know, it's pretty much a home game for Baylor because they're just playing north of, of Waco in uh, Fort Worth. Um, but it should be able to advance in the next round, but I wouldn't want to see whoever comes out of this game, uh, which happens at 4.30 p.m. right after them. I believe this is a their Friday, uh, Baylor and North Carolina and Marquette. Let me just check for you people so I'm not giving you bogus info. Um, let's see. Baylor is down there. Yeah, they're Thursday at 2 o'clock. All right. Thursday at 2 o'clock is Baylor and Norfolk State. And we have North Carolina Marquette right after. Now, this is tough. I'm a North Carolina fan. Uh, it was awesome to be at the ACC quarterfinals on Thursday and Got to see them play and absolutely blow out Virginia. And, you know, and then I'm at the bar the next night with my family trying to watch the game. And uh, they, they kind of got thrown around by, by Virginia Tech a little bit. And then Virginia Tech threw around Duke, so it made me feel better about North Carolina. Um, I, I don't know what you expect me to do here, folks. If you expect me to pick against... North Carolina, I don't know how I could say I'm a fan. Uh, you know, if you're Marquette in North Carolina, like you out of the, the four one seeds, I think you got the best draw. Obviously, you're probably hoping, especially if you're North Carolina for a seven, but you know, that probably maybe that would have came if uh, they ended up pulling out a semifinal victory or, or an ACC championship. Um, but I think either way, you take the team that you think is going to win this game, North Carolina or Marquette. I'm taking North Carolina. Um, you take this team to advance to the Sweet 16 over Baylor. Baylor is hurting. Uh, North Carolina has hit a great stretch of the season. I know that Virginia Tech loss is a little tough, but you kind of want to bring them back down to earth after a huge win at Duke the week before and then a blowout at Virginia. You know, I think, uh, you know, for Hubert Davis's squad, we need some efficiency from the guards down the stretch. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, 
We need them to, you know, just be efficient. I feel like Caleb Love's problem sometimes is that he just doesn't have it. You know, he knows he doesn't have it in terms of shooting the ball early, and he'll keep shooting. And both of them are really good at going to the basket. And, you know, if once you start going to the basket, all of a sudden we can kick the ball out to Brady Manick for a three and, you know, pick and roll with Armando Baycott. I feel like we haven't really done that that much going down the stretch. So I think in terms of North Carolina, they're going to need some efficiency from the guards and some good play from the guards down the stretch. Also, we're going to have to, you know, Baycott for a little bit there during the year was kind of playing bully ball. I think he has to get back to that. I feel like he was a little bit too passive in the game against Virginia Tech. And, you know, I thought the same thing against Virginia, especially didn't seem like Virginia had a big guy to play against them. And he was still kind of kicking out, uh, not really trying to back down much. And, you know, it worked out because Brady Manick had 19 points at half, but that's not going to happen every game. Uh, in terms of Marquette, you know, they lost to Creighton in the uh, AC or in the Big East quarterfinal on Thursday, a close game. I feel like Shaka Smart's squad is going under the radar because, you know, they're not one of the Big East blue, blo- blue blood programs. And, um, you know, I like I said, I think either way, whichever team you believe is going to win this game, you should take them to go to the Sweet 16 over Baylor. I'm going to pick the Tar Heels. Uh, you guys do what you want with my biased opinion, and we'll keep it moving on to the next game. St. Mary's is the five seed of this bracket, and they play the winner of the play-in game. Uh, it's Indiana and Wyoming. Uh, I think it's going to be Indiana. So Indiana versus St. Mary's on Thursday at 7, 720. We're back in Portland. Um, I've got the Hoosiers. Uh, every time that a playing team, every time a playing team gets into the game, it's been, you know, the last few years it's been close. You've had UCLA make the final four. You've had VCU make the final four. I know that was 10 years ago now, but, uh, I feel like the playing teams given the correct scenario, which for the Hoosiers, I mean, they get to play in Dayton against a team that I I think personally didn't deserve to make it in Wyoming. Um, You know, same similar situation to uh, Rutgers and Notre Dame where they have to go over to the West Coast. But at least, you know, their game will tip off at nine o'clock on on Tuesday and then they play at 720 on on Thursday. Uh, Eastern time, so I guess 420 over there. Um, I believe it's the Hoosiers, though. They just got defeated by Iowa in the Big Ten semis by a buzzer beater by Jordan Bohannon. Uh, I know I was just mentioning UCLA. They started in the first four last year. I don't have the same vibe on Indiana, where I think, you know, last year I thought, Michigan State was going to beat UCLA and go to like the Sweet 16. I think I have them in my bracket. I don't have the same vibe here with Indiana, but they just got hot in the Big Ten tournament. 
I know that they basically were the home team for that because it was at uh it was in Indianapolis, but uh they're you know one one missed shot away from being in the final of that tournament. Um in terms of the playing game, they're two hours and 30 minutes from Dayton. So you have to figure that there'll be a lot of guy a lot of fans there for them. Um St. Mary's is great on defense, but they're not as efficient on offense. Um, so that's, you know, good because Indiana has just shown the ability to come back. You know, they came back on Michigan down 17 points. I don't think St. Mary's going to blow them out if they are beating them early. Um, so you got to like Indiana. They've played well as the dog all year. I like Mike, uh, love Mike Woodson. Um I'm going to take Indiana in that one. The game after them on Thursday night is UCLA, the four seed in Akron. Uh, UCLA just lost Saturday night to Arizona. Uh, they were, you know, it was a 15-2 run or something like that for Arizona to take, retake the lead, and they never looked back. You know, UCLA was just one good stretch away from winning the Pac-12 and maybe – Maybe getting a better seed, but if you really look at the bracket the way it is, UCLA kind of has, uh, I believe, a good shot here. Either way, you get St. Mary's. I feel like they've got St. Mary's. If, you, if they play Indiana, I feel like they've got Indiana as well. Um, I, I really like UCLA. They have pretty much every guy back from the Final Four run last year. Um, you know, now they're a little bit upset with that loss. I think Mick Cronin is the type of coach and he's shown it before where last year UCLA was highly ranked. And then the last month of the season, they kind of went down the tube a little bit and he rallied the troops and got them to the final four last year. Uh, you know, they have all that experience. It seems like the team was a little bit unhealthy. The last month of the season, I think uh, Jacquez was going with an ankle injury and it didn't seem like Juzang was his, himself either. And now they look back, they appear to be back. Um, Akron, they don't do anything particularly well and they, they got their upsets out of the way, I feel like. They, they were the four seed of the MAC and they took down Toledo and Kent State, who were both above them. Um, you'll, I think you'll find in, in the college basketball tournament that when these teams are overmatched, like they're, they're not dumb. They know what they have to do to try to stay in it. And that's shoot the three, um, on this team for Akron, the guys that you don't want to let beat you are Ali Ali and Xavier Castaneda. Um, you know, they have four guys that can really shoot the three. They also have Michael Dawson and Brian Trimble. So. UCLA is going to be one of the most well-prepared teams in the whole whole tournament. Um, and, you know, you just got to make sure that those guys, you don't let those guys go off, you know, for a couple threes each. And you should be all right in that one. I'm, I've got UCLA. Um, we'll move on to what I believe, you know, this bottom half of the bracket here uh, in the East is like the most intriguing four teams um 
It's Texas and Virginia Tech fr- uh, Friday at 4.30 from Milwaukee, the five-serve forum, which is the home of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, now, this one is an interesting one. So you have Chris Beard's squad at Texas, who has sputtered a little bit over the last five games. Uh, the teams are identical in the analytics, but Virginia Tech has played themselves in, you know, in Kempom, their top 25 team. I know that they got an 11 seed. Uh, they've won 13 of 15, just coming off that ACC championship. And I, I think they still have, like, they've proven a lot to themselves, but they still have something to prove. Like, they didn't come here just to, you know, win the ACC championship, go to Milwaukee, you know, for the weekend and, uh, and you know, leave. Like, they want to be the, the one of the four teams that leaves Milwaukee and makes it to the next round, which I believe is in Philadelphia. Um, I, you know, I saw them play, uh, and then I watched them play two more times on TV this, you know, this week as well. I think they have the deepest roster in the entire tournament, and that includes UCLA. Uh, Justin Mutz and Kive Aluma, both really good big men for the college game. They have multiple guys who can shoot the three. As a team, they're shooting 39% of, from three. You know, they're playing their best uh, their best basketball, 13 of 15. Um, I'm going to take Virginia Tech. Now, an interesting part about this, Mike Young was the Wofford coach who led Wofford that, that year. I believe the number one player is Fletcher McGee. The guy he was shooting threes out the wazoo. They beat Seton Hall in the tournament. Uh, that The year before that, which was the year UNC won the championship, 2017-2018, he took his team into North Carolina and beat North Carolina in the beginning of the year. So this is a great coach who obviously turned it around after a tough start in ACC play. Um, I know Chris Beard's a good coach too. And I think the, the big men matchup between uh, Timmy Allen and uh, I believe the teammate's name is uh, Jericho, but I could be wrong on that. Um, those two guys against Aluma and Mutz is going to be a great big men matchup, but I think the guard play of Virginia Tech is going to overwhelm them because there's they have four or five guys who just come in. They could all shoot the rock. They all facilitate the ball well. They're a very unselfish team. They always are looking for the best shot. And the big men can facilitate the ball. Like they'll, they'll play zone offense. They'll put Aluma at the top of the key. He'll catch it, and he can drive. He can drive and kick. He can find someone wide open. And he's really good. I think he's second in the team in assists. So uh, I really like Virginia Tech. Uh, to get out of Milwaukee as a whole, you know, out of these four teams. Uh, the game before them in Milwaukee and, you know, Virginia Tech will play the winner of this game, I believe, as I have them winning against Texas, is Purdue and Yale. Uh, the Ivy League teams, man, feel like every year uh, they they cause a little bit of a ruckus in March. You know, they don't always – take the win. I think last time Yale was in, they had a close matchup 
I think they were a 12 that year. I forget who they played, but it was a close game. Now, Purdue lost the Big Ten championship to Iowa. Uh, are they looking ahead here? Are they like, all right, yeah, we got Yale, whatever, like Ivy League, yeah, yeah, like we're fine. We have Jaden Ivy, NBA player. We've got Zach Eady, 7-1. Like we've got Stefanovic who can bang the three. Um, I think me, I'm not going to pick, I'm not going to pick Yale, but I think Yale will keep it close. Uh, Purdue's defensive efficiency is number 100. Um, a big disparity. Uh, I don't like that for them moving forward. You know, if they, if they are able to win their first game, um, you know, Purdue is a really good team, but they're a little top heavy. Uh, and Yale, I just don't think has ever played a team as physically talented as Purdue, which is why I have Purdue winning the game. Um, I know I mentioned Stefanovic. He shoots more threes than inside shots. So, like, he can really be a cancer for Purdue's chances going forward if, you know, he has that one bad game because then he's literally not going to have a, a single point. And that's, you know, one of their best scores. So, and it could easily happen. Uh, you know, NBA arena, it's a little bit different than shooting at, at Purdue, you know, where it's, uh, it's a little bowl over there. So uh, another great matchup up next in the East, it's the San Francisco Dons at the 10 seed and the seventh Murray State. Um, I believe this one is at Gainbridge, uh, which is the home of the Indiana Pacers in uh, Indianapolis. So um, this one I kind of looked at in the gambling scope. I didn't really look at every line before I was picking. I was just kind of picking at first. And then, you know, as I was kind of taking them up on my phone and everything and, you know, the computer, I was just like, oh, let me see what what they think because sometimes it's easy to tell and i feel like this one they're telling you something here um murray state is 31 and 2 now the last time they made the tournament they had john morant and they went in to the 12 matchup they were the 12 and i believe it was marquette yeah it was marquette and uh Murray State throttled them. It was a 20-point victory. It was crazy. Every, you know, and everyone saw that one coming. Uh, I think they want you to take Murray State uh, on the money line. You know, a little bit plus money. You get yourself excited. Uh, I believe this game is uh, Thursday night at 9 o'clock. But I'm going to go check that. That's another one that I missed the time on. Nice job, Mike. Um, Yes, this one's at 9.40 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, I feel like it's telling you what you need to know. Murray State is a great team. Don't get me wrong, 31-2. and two, They win the OVC. But by the time this game tips off, their, their conference tournament didn't happen, you know, this past Saturday, March 12th. Their last game that they played was March 5th. So this will be almost two weeks off for them. Um and San Francisco was really, really good this year. 
I know that, you know, I said before that Gonzaga kind of coasted through the Western Coast Conference, uh, you know, but the, the best stretch of basketball they faced was the end of the game against San Francisco. Where they really started to mount a comeback. They came from like 22 down to about eight, and then they kind of just ran out of time. Um, shout out to Gabe Stefanini, my high school teammate. Uh, I believe that he injured his left shoulder. They've been showing him with like some, some tape on his shoulder. Uh, he was starting this at the beginning of the year. Now he's kind of playing a good role on the bench for them. Um, I've got the Dons right here. I think the line is telling you what you need to know. In terms of Kempom, San Francisco is ahead of Murray State um, in, in basically every metric. And the number one thing I think you look at when the metrics are pretty even is the strength of schedule. Uh, that kind of tells you, all right, like, you know, this team has looked good, but they've done it against bad opponents. Uh, likewise, you could look bad or you can look inconsistent like an in Alabama against the number one strength of schedule. And, you know, maybe you justify your pick that way. Um, they have, let's see, strength of schedule. They've got San Francisco at 70, no, 79. And they have Murray State, I believe, all the way down at 235. Yes, I just checked that. 235. So I think they're setting the line backwards, hoping that everyone thinks that John Morant will be playing for them. He won't. He'll be on the sideline as I believe Memphis plays in Indiana one of the days close to, to that game. So I, you know, I think they, I heard them saying on TV that job will probably be there in attendance, but I don't think that's going to help him too much unless he's allowed to go uh, suit up for the game. So I'm going to go with the San Brandons. Uh, and then the last game in the East is the Kentucky Wildcats and the St. Peter's Peacocks. Uh, this one is at seven o'clock as well from Indiana. It's preceding the San Fran and Murray state game. And uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the new Doug buckets in college basketball. I, you know, maybe you remember Doug McDermott from Creighton a couple of years ago, but there's a new guy in town. His name is Doug Eddert. Uh, now in all seriousness though, uh, Doug, another high school, uh, classmate, he was two years younger than me at Bergen Catholic in New Jersey. And, um, can honestly say that Doug was one of my favorite players to watch in high school. I, he just played with a massive chip on his shoulder. He was really fiery, good at shooting the basketball still is, uh, and they're one of three teams from New Jersey in the uh, in the tournament. Uh, Jersey City is is the the town or the city that St. Peter's is in. And um, Jersey City is about toughness and grit. I think they'll play close. I've got Kentucky because you know they have NBA star power on the team and. 
you know, it's going to be tough for St. Peter's to keep it close, but I think at least for a little while, they will not get blown out. Um, so Kentucky there, then we'll go quickly into the South because Arizona is the one seed and they play 7:30 PM in San Diego against the winner of Wright state and Bryant. Um, Whichever one of those teams is getting killed by Arizona, big Pac-12 comeback victory, 15-2 run. Uh, I have it in my notes. It literally says, all my homies hate Bryant. Uh, Peter Kiss has been a nice story, I guess, nationally. But, like, if you look at it from the scope of being a, a Sacred Heart student, like, yeah, it's funny that, like, he he went in the uh, pack and the – NEC championship and was screaming profanities at people in the stands. Like we have to deal with that every time he comes to the damn gym. It's not fun. He's not cool. Like he's a college basketball player. He's supposed to be making threes. I, I get it. He, he, he had 29 points a game this year. It's, it's an impressive feat, but let's remember here, folks, you got, you can't be, you can't be uh, – I think if you do that at literally any other gym in America, you're getting a technical. Like, they let it happen the whole game. Then Wagner, the players, get into a fight with Brian's fans. They have to evacuate the gym. I'm really hoping that Brian gets killed on national TV on Wednesday, and it's Arizona versus Wright State, and then Arizona will then uh, delete Wright State. Um or you know what? Maybe Bryant wins on Wednesday when no one's paying attention, and then they get beat by 45 by Arizona. Uh, and Peter Kiss gets held to like five points because he can't play against uh, the defensive talents of Arizona. So uh, the game after them, 10 o'clock in San Diego, the last game that will tip off in the first round, Texas Christian, TCU, and Seton Hall. Um, this is an interesting one because TCU has been hot. So is, so is Seton Hall, but then they kind of looked bad against Georgetown. They, they ended up beating Georgetown. Then they get beat by 10, uh, against UConn in the quarters. Um, they lost Bryce Aiken last month when I was at the game at UConn and that's tough to lose your best player and your ball handler. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough. The, the teams are similar in metrics, average offense, above average defense, but TCU is playing better. I think they have the better team uh, with Seton Hall missing their best player. So I'm going to go TCU there. Um, this one I think is going to be a popular upset pick, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to give my reasons, though as to why it might be a little bit close. Um, it's the Houston Cougars, a, a five seed that probably should be a two or three seed based on all the metrics that I'm looking at. And then UAB, who I think also, you know, uh, probably a rightful 12. But if you look at the other five seeds, even if you look at the four seeds, I mean, Houston is probably the last team you would have picked out of this uh, including Providence, Iowa, St. Mary's. Um, 
Illinois. Like I would want to, I would not want to play Houston. I would not want to play Houston. Their top 10 defense and offense in terms of efficiency. And then if you just look at UAB's makeup of the team, everybody knows about Jelly Walker, Jordan Walker from New Jersey, uh, really good basketball player, probably the best player at any mid-major anywhere, and obviously including just in the tournament, but any mid-major, I don't think you're finding a better player than, than Jordan Walker. Um, now, if U, UAB wants to win, there's two things that have to happen. They have to watch the tape of that last regular season game uh, where Houston played Memphis at Memphis and Memphis just pressed them and Houston looked like they could not break the press. They were, it was giving them fits. Um, UAB plays at a fast tempo, similar, similar, well, similarly to Memphis. There we go. Um, and so I think that's what they have to do. They have to try to play fast on offense. They got to try to press. Um, Jelly Walker has to go into the game thinking like, all right, not only do I need a lot of points, but I have to find a way to draw the double team and get it to my teammates and hope, you know, that my teammates can make the open shots. I've got to go to the basket and try to get someone in foul trouble. If not multiple guys in foul trouble, especially that I'm shooting 88% from the free throw line this year. Um, I, you know, I think it's going to be tough. I've got Houston. I think Houston's going to make a, a nice run here out of the South. Um, and it stinks that UAB got matched up with this good of a team at a five seed. doesn't make much sense that either of these teams seem to get a tough, tough matchup to start off. Um, I'm going to go Houston, but I think UAB could keep it close. I think they'll keep it close. Um, the game before them is Illinois and Chattanooga. Illinois loses to Indiana in the quarterfinal of the Big Ten. Chattanooga punched their ticket with that awesome buzzer beater three while they were down two in overtime from David Jean Baptiste. Uh, Illinois is another roller coaster team like. Sometimes they come out and Andre Curbelo could hit every shot and Kofi Coburn has 20 points on nine shots and they look really good. And then some days that they look like they've never picked up a basketball before. Um, I think the strategy to beat them is you got to get Kofi out of the game in terms of foul trouble, not letting him have easy baskets where he just, you know, catches the ball and floats it right over your head or, you know, a single team where he just backs down your best player. I think, especially with Chattanooga, like they all, it seems that they're, uh, they have a good three headed monster in terms of guys that can put it in the basket. They're going to have to keep fresh legs on defense and try to double team Kofi. Don't let him impact the game. Don't let him get the 20 points that he usually gets. You know, even if you can get, keep him the 15 or, you know, keep them off the boards, do something. That's the way you beat them. Um, with a worse team this year, how does Brad Underwood, the coach of Illinois, take his team past the first weekend? 
That's the question I have written down in my Google document. They lost last year with, they had AO as well. The, he got drafted to Chicago. I'm not going to try to say his last name either because I know that I'll mess it up. Um, how do they How do they go past the first weekend? They lost in the first round last year. Uh, you know, they've been prone to upsets all season long, including Indiana in the quarterfinal recently. Um, this is a good choice. This is a good chance for you to pick an underdog because I feel like even if Illinois beats Chattanooga, they're not going to have a great chance to beat Houston. So I'm going to pick Chattanooga. Uh, I, I like this one. I think they have a top, you know, their top three is a, a good, you know, they put the ball in the basket, which is important. Um, you know, they haven't played in a few days now since, since that buzzer beater, but I think, you know, a somewhat average Illinois performance and, you know, a good, good plan to try to take Kofi out of the game and Chattanooga could sneak this one out from Pittsburgh. Um, the next game is the 11-6 matchup between Michigan and Colorado State in the South Division. This one is the first game that will tip off as a part of the NCAA tournament on Thursday, 12-15 from Gainbridge, home of the Pacers. Uh, Michigan is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Uh, another one where I feel like they're trying to get you like, oh, the six seed is, is plus money. Like, why, why is that? Well, I think they'd rather give you the value on the team that has less talent than the team that is less consistent. Um, Michigan has been inconsistent all year, up and down. They started in the uh, top 10 of the AP poll, and they were unranked, and they're, you know, Jawan Howard gets suspended for the rest of the uh, regular season. They come out, they, they, you know, beat Michigan State by 15 points. Then they lose a game. Then they beat Ohio State at Ohio State. So they're hard to figure out. Um, pretty good strength of schedule for Michigan. Pretty similar metrics in terms of everything else, but I think the best two players are on the court and maybe even the best three players on the court are all on Michigan. Caleb Houston, Hunter Dickinson, and Musa Diabate. I think I got that one right. Um, I think if Michigan loses this game, they have to fire Jawan Howard. Like, I know that Colorado State had a great season, but Michigan – should be way better than an 11 seed. They underperformed all year. Uh, there should be a decent amount of Michigan fans. It looks like it's a four-hour trip from Ann Arbor to Indianapolis. Um, I'm going to go with Michigan. Uh, I just think that just based on the way they've been playing, it's literally every other game for them. They just are coming off of a bad loss to Indiana. So why not? take the first round game against Colorado state um, and Vegas thinks the same thing. So the game after them at two forty-five in Indianapolis is Tennessee and Longwood. Uh, Tennessee lost the first round last year 
And then they have come back with an amazing season. Uh, and they have also won the SEC tournament, which I did not pick them. I would have had – I had Auburn, and I would have taken Kentucky, and Tennessee took out Kentucky handily. Uh, it was a bad shooting performance for Kentucky, albeit from Tampa in the semifinal. But um, – Tennessee is a great three seed, don't get me wrong, but they shoot 40% of their shots from behind the arc. If Longwood wants to keep this game close, you hope that they go cold and you guard the three-point line closely. Um, in terms of Tennessee trying to ensure that they move on to the next round, uh, you want to know where Deshaun Wade is from Longwood at all time, at all times. Uh, he made 73 threes this year, shooting 45% from behind the arc. So if you don't let him beat you, you should be all right and move on to the next round. Um, the 10-7 seed here in the South region is Loyola Chicago, the 10, and Ohio State, uh, the 7 seed. This one is 12-15 on Friday in Pittsburgh. Uh, Denzel Valentine's brother is the coach of the Ramblers, Loyola Chicago. And uh, they had a great run at the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament in St. Louis. Uh, three wins in three days, including taking out Northern Iowa, which is pretty awesome. They lost to them earlier in the month and then took them out in the championship. Uh, Sister Jean, still here, 102 years old, doing well, uh, praying to God that her Ramblers can take down the Buckeyes of Ohio State. And I think her prayers are going to be answered in this one, folks. Ohio State just lost to Penn State. Uh, they have a 133rd ranked defensive efficiency. Um They've lost the last four or five. Uh, it's really a two-man team for Ohio State. Can EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham carry the team, or will the more balanced team, Loyola Chicago, do it again? How do you not ride with the sister jeans? I've got the Ramblers in this one. Let's move on to the next one. The game after them will be the 2-15 and 15 seed. Villanova Wildcats and Delaware Blue Hens. Um, pretty cool that Delaware has Jameer Nelson Jr. I feel like I'm like an old guy now and I'm only 22 years old, but Jameer Nelson was uh, a guard for the Orlando Magic when I was growing up. You know, that's how I remember him. A uh, good little guard. You know, Orlando outside of uh, – you know, when I was really young, I think the season I really started to get into the NBA right after the the decision by LeBron. So I didn't really get to catch that Orlando Magic team that went to the finals, or maybe they lost in the final uh, the Eastern Conference Finals to LeBron. I think that was the year where he had the twenty five points uh, in a row and took them out. Um, so it's pretty cool that they have, you know, a guy that we grew up 
thinking he was a good player in the NBA, and now his son is old enough to be in the big dance. Um, Biggie's final for Villanova was a really interesting game. Like, they were going through it, man. You could tell they were a little tired. They were a little banged up. They couldn't find a shot to go. And, you know, they're down one with, like, two minutes left, and all of a sudden Gillespie finds a stroke, hits two threes. They take the win. Um, it was an awesome game to be at. Unfortunately, you know, they shot so poorly. So I think the crowd would have been a little more into it if they could have shot a little better. But even regardless, the last 10 minutes of the game were insane. It was really a Villanova home game just based on, you know, Creighton is in Omaha, Nebraska. So tough for them to get a lot of people there. Meanwhile, the entire Villanova fan base and alumni base was in the garden, around the garden, drinking before and after the game. So really awesome experience for me. Also got to see one of my favorite coaches, uh, Jay Wright. And um, it's kind of my reasoning behind, I mean, it's easy pick. They're a two seed, but uh, got to pick the best coach in college basketball. Simple as that. Um, Jay Wright is that, in my opinion. Villanova does play slow, but regardless, a top eight offense and a top 30 defense. It has been a great story for the Blue Hens to get out of the colonial. Um, but unless Jameer Nelson Seniors, you know, is getting out there for them, I don't think they have much of a chance. Um, based on Villanova on defense and really on offense, too, the over-under is set at 134. I feel like under is a really easy pick there. Um, so last but not least, we're here. We've arrived at the Midwest bracket. Uh, we've got Kansas as the one seed, and they will take on the winner of Texas Southern, the representative from the Southwest Athletic Conference, and Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who is representing the Southland Conference. Um, one note I wanted to mention before I talk about the last play-in game is I feel like the teams that are automatic qualifiers shouldn't have to be in the play-in. I mean, I think, you know, like for a team, like whoever's going to lose this game between Corpus Christi and Southern, like it would be so awesome for those universities, for those kids like, yeah, they know they're going to get killed by Kansas, but to get to that game, to be on TV, to have people paying attention um, would be really beneficial for a school like one of these ones who's going to lose in the play-in and then, you know, uh, not really be talked about ever until they come back to the tournament and get into the same spot. So my... Uh, my recommendation is to make the bottom two 11s and the top two 12s uh, make those the playing games and they should have to be all at large bids, no auto automatic call qual qualifiers. It has been a long night, folks. I'm almost there. Um, so just stick with me. I'm sorry for a few uh, speech impediments that I've had here throughout the episode. Um, if you're looking for a pick for the, um, playing game on Tuesday night between Southern and Corpus Christi, I've based my decision on 
Corpus Christi makes a half three-point shots more per game than Southern. Um, and they shoot the free throws at a better rate as well. I think, I mean, I don't know that, you know, I don't know too much about either of these teams, but I think um, they're just kind of hoping that, you know, you take the favorite, which is, which is Southern. And really they're, they're just hoping whichever team ends up with more money on them, that the other team wins. I'm not going to get involved in this one. I mean, like I said, Corpus Christi is going to lose or Southern is going to lose to Kansas regardless. So for, for what it's worth, we'll say Corpus Christi wins just based off of the better shooting percentage from three and free throws. Um, And then Corpus Christi will play Kansas in Fort Worth Thursday at 9.57 p.m. Kansas is too deep for a lot of teams, I think. And I think they got an easy side of the bracket. Um, We will move on to the 8-9 game here, which is the 7.30 tip from Fort Worth on Thursday night. It is San Diego State and Creighton. I said on episode two that I really didn't want to see Creighton play. Uh, I got to see Creighton play, of course. It's just the way the world works. Both teams are pretty similar. Very average on offense, pretty good on defense, but San Diego State is number two in the country on defense. I feel like first to 50 in this one wins. Uh, Creighton is missing their freshman guard, Ryan Nemhard. Um He's out with injury, I believe, for the rest of the year. But the other two Ryans, Ryan Kalkbrenner and Ryan Hawkins, pretty good uh, on the interior for Creighton. Uh, they really play a nice high-low system out there, you know, kind of like a 3-2 three, three with a high post and a low post. And both of those guys can play both spots in the paint. Um. This one's tough because I feel like I, I've I've definitely seen a few Creighton games and I've taken them a few times or I've bet against them a few times and every time I, I seem to be on the, the wrong side. Um, I'm gonna not take Creighton one more time for for all the uh, for all the marbles for all the uh, entertainment that they've provided me this year. Um, Either way, these teams have to play Kansas at, after after the first round. So I uh, don't think that their their season will be going on too much further than Saturday night. Um, but I'm going to take San Diego State, better defense, um, you know, maybe the best player on the court is Kalkbrenner or Hawkins, but I think San Diego State just has a better overall team. I'm going to go with the Aztecs. Uh, Iowa-Richmond is the next game. Another team like Illinois, who was worse than last year, but this is the difference with Iowa. They have the best player, I feel like, in college, at least at scoring the basketball, and that's Keegan Murray. Um, Richmond stole their bid by beating Davidson in the Atlantic 10 final uh, yesterday on Sunday. Um, 
Davidson was the team they beat, and Davidson is a at-large against Michigan State as a 10. Um, I think people might be overlooking Richmond. Like, I, I don't have them. I, I think Iowa will be able to take them down. Um, but, you know, with the history of Iowa and the Big Ten, you know, it's tough to really trust any of these Big Ten teams. They haven't won uh, the final. You know, they haven't won the championship in a long time. Um, I just think it's going to be tough for Iowa to make it out of the uh, their side of the bracket because they're going to have to play Kansas at some point. And I think Kansas is a really good team. Providence, South Dakota is the four versus 13. It is Thursday at 1240 back in Buffalo. Um, until I was writing out this sheet, I had uh, South Dakota State. Uh, South Dakota State has a top 10 offense, but their defense is 220. Um, so that's a big, big disparity. Um, the line, once again, I've looked at this in the gambling sense to try to figure it out because I was on South Dakota State at first. Providence is minus two. I think I think they want you to say, like, you know, Providence is number one in terms of luck uh, in Kempom. You know, they've been getting all these, all these close wins. Their luck is going to run out. But I think... San Diego State's uh, South Dakota State's defense is so bad that if they bully underneath with Nate Watson and they go to the basket, I think they'll be able to pull this one out. Um, now, if you're South Dakota State, you're coming out bombing threes. That's the way they play. Uh, I think Ed Cooley will have his guys ready to go. I think they're upset with the way that game against Creighton went, they got blown out by 30 points. Um, I think I wrote this down. I think Providence losing in the fashion they did has them fired up to come out, to come out, to come out and keep this team that is a top 10 offense and just absolutely shut it down. Um, so we'll get into the next one. It is LSU. And Iowa State, a 6 versus 11, and some interesting news came out of LSU over the weekend is that they got rid of their head coach, Will Wade, mid-year. They found out about some sanctions the NCAA is going to impose on the program, and they elected to get rid of the coach. Uh, this game is 7.20 p.m. on Friday night in Milwaukee. Um. Now, this is going to be a popular upset because of the Will Wade news. I'm going the opposite way. I've got LSU. Iowa State's on a three-game losing streak right now. And uh, LSU is a top-five defensive efficiency team. Um, Iowa State's played in two similar games to this LSU team recently against Texas Tech, who's the number one defense, and Oklahoma State, who, off the top of my head, I believe is in the top 30 uh, and I have their right here. They are number six. So, and those two teams held Iowa state to a combined 
77 points in two games. So I think LSU is going to be fine in that one. Um, And I think that regardless of who they play in the next one, which I have have a big one here coming up, um, I think LSU has a chance to get to the Sweet 16 with their interim coach. Um, The game after them on Friday night is an absolute doozy. Friday at 9.50 from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Colgate. Now, Wisconsin had a tough end to the year. They win their po- a portion of the, uh, the Big Ten regular season championship. They need a win against last place Nebraska to lock up the one seed. They lose the game. Johnny Davis goes out with injury, their best player. And uh, it's tough to say that Johnny Davis is going to be 100% by Friday. I mean, he didn't look good in their game against Michigan State. And they ended up losing to Michigan State. Um, Colgate has four guys who can really shoot the three. Now, their team percentage from behind the arc is 40%. And they take 42% of their shots from behind the arc. Um, I just think if, you know, if they come out and one guy's hot, two guys are hot, all of a sudden it's like, you know, we're relying on one guy to really be our offense. Like when, when Wisconsin wins, it's because Johnny Davis is 20, 25 points. I don't think he could do that. And I think in terms of defense for Wisconsin, like they're fine. But four guys being able to shoot the three, uh, I think Wisconsin fans are, like, looking past Colgate a little bit and ahead towards, like, oh, we're in Milwaukee for the whole weekend. And it looks like, you know, seemingly looks like we have an easy four teams here. But I'll tell you what, you got to remember these names, Nellie Cummings, Ryan Moffitt, Tucker Richardson and Jack Ferguson. Those are the four good shooters and starters for uh, for Colgate. I think their center, Keegan Records, which that's an all-time name, huh? Um, I think he's going to put Wisconsin in some danger. He's averaging 10 points and six rebounds. Um, and I don't think that their big man is all that good. Um, I've got Colgate, people. I think Colgate's going to pull this one out. Uh, Winner of the Patriot League. They took down Navy in the championship game. We support the troops on this channel, but uh, I think Colgate is going to be, it's going to be a close game and I've got Colgate to win it. Um, So we'll move on to the last pod of four. It is South California. And Miami, um, that is in Greenville, South Carolina, at 3 o'clock on Friday. Um, I think the committee should have given us Miami as a 10 against Murray State, and then South California against San Fran as that 7-10 game. Um, You know, for all the reasons I mentioned before, like it would be cool to see – you know, a major program versus the mid-major program and see 
who pulls out what. Um, boy, did Miami look bad in the ACC quarterfinal against Boston College, and then they play it close with Duke the very next night. So another up-and-down team, USC, put up a good fight with UCLA, and uh, they have a higher strength of schedule. You know, in terms of the metrics, they look pretty easy, pretty even, but USC, I think, has the best player on the court in Mobley. Uh, They have a better strength of schedule, so... We're gonna go with uh, we're gonna go with South California, and then the last game, Jacksonville State's the 15 versus Auburn. Auburn has probably the best talent in the country, and they've kind of sputtered here in the last month of the season, last even two to three weeks. Um, and this game is is gonna be called Justice for Bellarmine and Jacksonville. Uh, so Jacksonville State, I believe this tournament is the uh, I believe Jacksonville State. Let's see. I don't know why I'm blanking on the conference, but so Bellarmine ascends from Division Two to Division One. They have to wait their time, and uh, they won the tournament, but they're not allowed to go according to NCAA rules. It goes to the conference winner in the regular season which was Jacksonville State they're in as the 15 but kind of messed up for Jacksonville who makes it to the championship game and loses to Bellarmine after they beat Jacksonville State in the semis just to get there and Bellarmine can't go to the NIT so Jacksonville will go to the NIT in their spot and Bellarmine just goes home on, on you know, an all-time high and a victory. Um, I've got Auburn. I think Auburn will easily make it out into the Sweet 16. And if they don't, I mean, that's really a, a sad, sad scene for Bruce Pearl and Auburn. Um, uh, we'll see if they can put it together. Like I said here, I think they have the most talented team in the country. But once they get to the Sweet 16, are they going to play the Auburn basketball we saw the first uh, three months of the season or the one that we saw in the last month of the season? Uh, I guess that's for us to all find out. Uh, Those are the 32 picks. And uh, without further ado, I will reveal my final four and my championship. Um, So out of the... Western Conference or the West bracket, that would be number one seed Gonzaga's bracket. I actually have Texas Tech coming out, the three seed. Um, I have them beating Bama in the next round. And then I don't want to give away my whole bracket, but I've got Texas Tech making it out there. Um, Out of the East, I have the UCLA Bruins, the four seed. Um, Out of the South, I've got Villanova, the Wildcats. Gotta love Jay Wright. Um, And out of the Midwest, I've got Bill Self and the Rock Chalk Jayhawks. Um, And then in the championship, I've got UCLA Bruins and Kansas. 
And I've got the Kansas national champion by a final score of 78 to 71. Um, I used all of the metrics and things that I know about Ken Palm and from my March Madness sheet from last year. My guy, Tim Hold, does a great job with it. I will definitely be buying the sheet uh, this year because it, it'll help me going forward. You know, obviously, I'll, I'll be sticking with what I have. I won't be changing from when I release this pod. I'm going to leave the bracket as is. Um, but, you know, once the second round starts, you know, or – some people get involved in a sweet 16 bracket when, when that comes out. Um, it's a, a lot of good information in here, folks. If you're still trying to decide on, on some, some bracket choices, even after listening to this podcast, uh, this is, this is this, this is the thing to do. It's $10, 32 pages of information, all very relevant to you. If you want to win some money, here in March. Um, so I guess that'll do it for episode three of the Go Be Great podcast. Um, I will be back in between Friday and Saturday to give you a pretty similar podcast where I'll just be picking the round two winners. Um, maybe I'll be looking at it in the total uh, scope of the spread. Um, because you know, the second round doesn't mean as much for anyone's bracket. Uh, like you can't re-choose it or anything. You just kind of have to ride with what you've got. Um, so maybe I'll look at it in that way. You know, maybe I'll recap a couple of the games, but, you know, I think I, what I have to do in terms of the podcast is come up with some entertaining segments, especially that I don't have the video aspect of the podcast just yet i'm gonna have to entertain you guys in some other way than just you know talking about sports anybody could do that um but you know doing something different that's never been done before or you know something that i find funny that maybe you guys also find funny you know you guys can message me with any uh recommendations for for some segments or if you guys like something I did that I didn't notice and, you know, you can let me know if you have constructive criticism, I will definitely take that and listen as well. I think I'm not going to be getting better at, you know, something that I think I want to do for my career without hearing uh, some things I can fix as well. So just want to thank you guys all for the constant support. Um, you know, we're growing little by little between podcasts one and two, and I hope that, uh, we can keep going up here, uh, in the month of March, we'll, we'll sleep when we're dead. We will sleep in May. And with that folks, I say farewell. I say good luck to you. I hope that you win your bracket. I hope you win all of your your picks, you know, if you're making uh, survivor picks or if you're making, you know, I was once in a pool where you get assigned a team and if they cover the spread as, you know, if they cover the spread 
and they're not the team moving on, you capture the team. And if they cover the spread and they're the team moving on, then you stay with the team and you get that spread every every game until you either lose out or you're the last one standing. I always thought that was a really cool way to be involved in, in the bracket. Um, so I hope you guys have, have an awesome, you know, it's the best four days I feel like of the year. Uh, you know, you, it's just amazing. You get up, you know, you got some responsibilities obviously, but doing whatever you can to get some eyes on the games. And then once your responsibilities are done, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my college house in, in Connecticut where we've got three TVs set up right in the family room. We've had it like this all, you know, the entire time I've been here, which is now two and a half years. And, you know, it'll stay like that after I'm gone as well. Uh, you know, not always in use, but I can tell you for sure, Thursday at about one o'clock, uh, as we're doing some some school from online here on a Thursday, uh, we will have three TVs going. So it's a great time of the year, folks. I hope you enjoy. And uh, I will be back for episode four on Friday, March 18th.